Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. May His grace and His blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages, amen. Today, the homily from the blessed servant, Michael Sammy. Let us open our hearts and hear the words of the Holy Spirit. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Today is the, the third Sunday of the month of Aviv. And I want to first uh, start this homily off by looking at something that we read in the Catholic epistle. And it really, really strikes me every time it's read in, in the liturgy or elsewhere, is the idea that not many of us should become teachers knowing that we should have a stricter judgment. And so I just ask each one of you that you pray for all the teachers we have, whether that be laymen such as myself or our father, Abuna Moses or all the servants because we really, really, really need as many prayers as we can because it is written that we will have a stricter judgment. So by our words, we will be justified, but by our words, we will also be condemned. The gospel today is one that's very common to our ears. It is the feeding of the 5,000. So I want to meditate this morning by looking at two sets of three points going to go very quickly, don't worry. The first set of three points is a little bit more trivial, and then the second set of three points is going to be a little more spiritual. So the first point of the first set is this gospel is actually read throughout the liturgical year whenever there is a fifth Sunday in any of the Coptic months. So for example, in the month of Abib, Today is the third Sunday, next week will be the fourth Sunday, and the week after that will be the fifth Sunday. So any time there is a fifth Sunday in any of the Coptic months, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is, is, is read. And this is because a fifth Sunday is like an overabundance. It's, it's, a unique, it's a unique thing that doesn't happen in all the Coptic months, and so the church arranges for the, for the miracle of the, the feeding of the 5,000 from the abundance of food. The second point is the fact that this miracle is actually the only other miracle besides the resurrection that is recorded in all four gospel accounts. So the account that we read from today is from St. Luke the Evangelist, chapter 9, and it is actually also the ninth hour gospel that we read in the Egbeya every single day. It is also in Matthew chapter 14, and Mark chapter 6, and John chapter 6. And then there's also, so the next point is that this is not the only miracle in the Bible where there is a large crowd being fed, a multitude of people being fed by um, by loaves and fish. There is another miracle, sometimes mistaken to be the same miracle, but it is in two of the other gospel accounts, in Matthew chapter 15 and Mark chapter 8. And it is actually a feeding of 4,000. So our Lord makes reference in Matthew chapter 16, verse 9 and 10. He's, he's um, kind of giving his disciples a hard time uh, telling them to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the disciples think that he's still talking about bread. 
because he performed the miracle twice. And so he tells them, oh, you of little faith, do you not believe after the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 or of the miracle of the feeding of the 4,000? So they're two separate events. So those are, the those are the first three points, very, very quick. First one, we said that this gospel is said every fifth Sunday, every Coptic month. Second point, this miracle is also recorded in all four gospels. Third point, it is one of two miracles regarding a feeding of the multitude. The next set of points I wanna meditate is uh, going to be a little bit more spiritual, but I wanna start with the setting um, that's taking place actually in Matthew chapter 14. So the way Matthew describes the miracle is right before there is news of Herod beheading St. John the Baptist. And what happens is after he's beheaded and his head is uh, given to the daughter of Herodias because of her dancing the way she pleased him, the disciples of St. John later came to take his body to bury it and after they buried it, they actually went to go bring the news to Jesus. Because we know St. John is the direct cousin of our Lord. And so in verse 13, right after um, the disciples bring news, uh, the disciples of John bring news to Jesus that John is dead. He's, it's, it's written, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. So we're being given this idea that Jesus is going to a place by himself, probably, probably for prayer. He did this very, very often. So it would make sense that he would want to be alone, especially after hearing news um, of his cousin's brutal death. Yet we still have persistent multitudes that are looking to follow him. And the next verse is very interesting. It says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. So one important point here is Jesus, even though in the midst of various emotions and going through grief and the loss of a loved one, was still able to be moved by compassion for others who were also suffering. And this, I think, stems from the very meaning of what it means to love one another. So, love should be the driving force for everything that we do. Love and love by definition is always outwardly. Love must have a receiver and a giver. This is the essence of God's love. And this is the love that, that Christ showed to the multitudes in that even though he was dealing with difficulties himself, he was still moved with compassion. So a loving person no matter what tribulations or trials he's going through, because we all go through trials and tribulations and sufferings, this is a part, of, a part of life. But the connection that we make with other people in their same suffering as well, this is the chance for us to manifest God's love. 
And the only way we can manifest God's love is when we realize that we receive it ourselves from God Himself. So it is a reflection or an overflowing of love from our own relationship with God. This is the only way I think we'll be able to arrive to this. Remember the, the word for God's love or unconditional love is agape or agabi, agabi love. And this is the love of God Himself, the unconditional love. And so we may only give that love if we receive it. It cannot come from ourselves because we are broken creatures. And so when God, when we realize God puts forth His own divine love on us, and then we reflect that in our relationship with one another. So this is the first point, the idea that everything we do should be from love, out of love. The second point I'd like to meditate on is actually an ex a closer examination of the disciples' reply or the disciples' role in this miracle in that they were eager to send the multitude away so that they could you know, take care of themselves and round about and lodge and get provisions because it was probably a difficult walk. Um, so we know that Jesus was on the boat across from the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. And then in certain gospel accounts it says the multitude followed him on foot. So they had a much, much longer, uh, and much more difficult trip than our Lord on the boat. But we see our reply, that we see the reply of, of Christ being very interesting. He says directly, you give them to eat. So now he's giving the responsibility to the disciples themselves. And this is no small responsibility. It's a feeding of 5,000 people. You know, sometimes in church, when we have 100 or 120 people, it's chaotic and no one knows what to do. So I, can, I want you to imagine 5,000 people, and this is in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, we don't have a bunch of tons or experienced women in the kitchen. We have some know-nothing disciples that probably uh, have no idea how to cook anything at all. But even though they had very, very little skill, they still brought up something, and that is the five loaves and two fish. So this teaches us, and, and of course after the five loaves and two fish were brought to our Savior, He looked up and He blessed, and then an abundance of food came from those small five loaves and two fish, which by the way were, were taken from a small boy, and that was probably coming from his lunchbox. So that meal was meant for a very, very young person, yet it fed 5,000 and abundantly more than that, there was taken many, many uh, fragments. So this teaches us the importance of synergy. Synergy being the connection of our efforts and God's efforts or God's blessing in everything that we do. So, again, the first point was love. Everything that we do must come from love. And then the second point is synergy, is that we must work together with God. Whatever little we have and whatever problem we face or whatever situation, we offer our utmost efforts to God and then God will bless. 
And then this brings us to the third point, and that is abundance. When we have, when we come from a place of, when we come from a place of love, and we work synergistically together with God, we will experience the miracle of abundance. And this abundance could be in anything that we do. So, if we have a difficult situation, maybe it doesn't go our, maybe it doesn't go our way, but the abundance of peace that we feel throughout the entire, the entire situation or the problem, whether that be at home or in school or at work or uh, anywhere else. So the abundance is the very signature or the autograph of God's work in any situation. So we can be sure that whenever there's an abundance of peace or an abundance of goodness or an abundance of anything positive, that this is the work of God himself. And it's also important to note that sometimes the abundance, or maybe another word for it, is fruit. The fruit of our doings may not be realized or may not be um, made manifest to us in the very moment or maybe even ever in our lives regarding a certain situation. And that is okay because, speaking for myself, knowing, knowing the fruit of our own doings is great ammunition for the devil to make us fall into pride. And so sometimes God keeps the fruit manifest from us in order to protect us from a greater fall. So to summarize, we have the first three points. The first three points, I guess you can call them the trivial points. The first point was that this gospel is read in which week? Fifth, fifth week. And the second point is that this is the only miracle besides the resurrection that it is found in all four Gospels. And then the third point is that this is one of two miracles regarding the feeding of a multitude. So you have the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. And then the final three points was love, synergy, and abundance. Love must be the center of everything that we do. Everything that we do has to come from a place of love. And this is God's love, the unconditional love. And synergy between us and God is crucial for God to bless us. And God's blessing leads to an abundance. I pray that we may be able to be worthy, to love as our Savior loved, and to work with God that we may experience abundance in everything in our lives. To him be the glory, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever, into the ages of ages. Amen.